DiscerningHearts.com presents St. John of the Cross, Master of Contemplation, with Father Donald Haggerty. Father Haggerty is a priest of the Archdiocese of New York who serves at St. Patrick's Cathedral. He taught moral theology and worked as a spiritual director in seminaries for 20 years. He has directed numerous yearly retreats for the missionaries of charity. He's the author of Contemplative Provocations, The Contemplative Hunger, Conversion, Contemplative Enigmas, and St. John of the Cross, Master of Contemplation, the book on which this series is based. St. John of the Cross, Master of Contemplation, with Father Donald Haggerty. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Father Haggerty, thank you again for joining me. Thank you, Chris, for having me. We've covered such wonderful topics in discussing St. John of the Cross, the Master of Contemplation. This particular topic that we're about to address is so important. It's from Chapter 7, The Barricades on the Road to Contemplation. And as I read it, I kept going, oh, yeah. Ooh, yeah, <laughs> that's me. We went through the, there was like seven different points that we have to be aware of. Every single one seemed to pin something inside of me. Do you think that's true? If not everybody, at least some people like myself. Well, I think it's a, it's an interesting section in St. John of the Cross in which in the beginning of his treatise entitled uh, The Dark Night, and it's not the dark night of the soul, you know, in the initial uh, treatment in this treatise, but what he does in a very kind of, as I mentioned, a very lively way in, in a certain way, he takes the seven capital sins, you know, pride, envy, gluttony, lust, sloth, etc., anger, and he takes these capital sins and then uses them as analogs, you know, paralleled by uh, spiritual vices that we're all subject to in, um, in the, you know, the interior pursuit of spirituality, of prayer, of trying to grow with God. And what makes that section very interesting, I mean, we can all see our faults and failings here, but I think it's also good to be conscious that John of the Cross is writing from real experience, not just looking inside himself, but th that chapter has the background of his work as a confessor and spiritual director to the Carmelites um, in the incarnation, Carmel in Avila, where he worked for five years, you know, as, a, as an exclusive work. And before he was kidnapped in the, during the Carmelite reform, and also in his later you know, years then working with sisters and friars. So he's speaking of common you know, detours that can take place in the spiritual life when a person is fervently you know, getting a good start and seeking God. When he says, when I use that word barricades, you know, it's, these are barriers. These are the things that sometimes people are not aware of that need to be you know, identified as, as you know, common weakness in, in the human person. When he begins with pride, and we can really see it in other people, can't we? And yet to see it in ourselves, as you said, we get so excited in the beginning and we immerse ourselves into what we feel is the spiritual life. And 
and prayer. And I remember reading The Interior Castle by Teresa of Avalon thinking, boy, I'm in five, I'm probably going to six. And it's only years later, I'm looking at myself going, am I getting close to three, maybe four <laughs> in the mansion? The point being that it is so dangerous, isn't it? That the spiritual pride in which she outlines, we really have to keep that in check. Well, one of the, um, one of the great you know, realities of spiritual life is that, and it's present in John of the Cross when he will speak about prayer more deeply, is we really don't grow spiritually unless we take our eyes off ourselves. And the gospel is saying that very strongly also, you know, the need to lose ourself. Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone, you know, stuck in itself. And this need for leaving the self aside, and, and why is that, you know, that may sound, yes, of course, we agree and say, yes, how true, but there is a kind of subtle danger in spiritual life also, especially when we're getting started. And, you know, if we have some conversion of sorts and we want to now seek a more serious spiritual life and perhaps take up good reading and begin to pray more or perhaps go to daily mass, then the danger is we begin to become very interested, self-interested in this, you know, work of progress, which is namely ourself. And there can be a kind of subtle boomerang effect in which we start turning on ourself and looking at ourself and measuring ourself and perhaps pleased with ourself. And all of that, you know, is a, you know, clearly, I think from you can hear that, it's a danger to really growing in the spiritual life. It may be why in I think traditionally, I can't be sure. I know it's true in the missionaries of charity that if you're in a good if you're in good formation, I'm not sure this is so true today in religious life, but if you're in a good congregation in religious formation, the people who are your superiors, a novice master or a novice mistress, they're going to correct you, you know, much more than they're going to compliment you. And they're going to, you know, they're going to prune you somewhat, as Jesus will say in the gospel again in chapter 15 of John, that they, they're not going to be lifting you up and elevating you for the sake of your own self-esteem. And they're not going to break you down either. But the, the need for leaving the self aside, because much of what we might be pleased with are very superficial things. And the deeper core of our being needs much refinement, purification. You know, it's a long process. There's not too many saints, you know, Teresa of Lisieux or Elizabeth of the Trinity, you know, dying at the age of 24, 25, 26, Elizabeth of the Trinity. But most people need time. And there's a process in this. Mother Teresa lived to be 87 and continued, I think, probably to grow until the age of 87. So there is a, a process in this, and the beginning of any serious spiritual life has um, the impediment of the self that needs to be in some manner emptied, you know, over time. Yeah, I think when I first came across the litany of humility, and I was told that Mother Teresa 
had her sisters praying that every day. And as I began to pray that litany, that's where you really, the rubber hits the road. I mean, do you really mean what you're saying in offering up that prayer? Because over the course of time, I found myself entering into opportunities of embracing it. And it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. And sometimes I didn't want to. That can be a real struggle, can it? Sure. And and sometimes we don't, I'm not sure always we have a deeper sense of what humility is. And, you know, Mother Teresa would say often, you know, you learn humility through humiliations, not to encourage, you know, that a superior or a mistress and would, you know, humiliate another sister. Not that, but we learn humility by being knocked down sometimes or being disappointed by being uh, sometimes our mistakes, you know, that are not so willed and, you know, the, the, the difficulties of not achieving, not performing as we would like. And, but humility is ultimately, as St. Therese of Lisieux will comment, humility is self-forgetfulness, where the self is no longer a preoccupation you know, of our attention, and we leave the self aside. And there are many you know, things that lead down the road of humility. If we're living a more hidden life, if we're conscious you know, to do things that nobody sees and yet it's seen by God and not so that we can pat ourselves then on the back, but just to do things and leave them aside. When Jesus says in the gospel, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. That phrase is no doubt to be interpreted as you give and then leave it, you know, move on and not to um, dwell on, on self. So, and again, it is, it's, it is a danger in spirituality. It's been pointed out Perhaps Father Dubay will mention this in his work, The Fire Within. But that is a danger in the in serious spirituality or in reading St. Teresa of Avila with the seven mansions. And then we would like to know, as you said it, you know, very well. Uh, you know, it's almost humorous that we almost uh we would like to then know where we are at, where is our, you know, to measure our own spiritual life. And if we go back to the previous, you know, conversation we just had, at the evening of life, we will be measured, we will be examined in love. That's the true measure. And we can't really know. There's always, you know, limitlessly, you know, a, uh, a road in front of us to walk the life of love and of self-giving. And a key to that is to take attention off of self. And but by the way, and that's going to be a primary reality also in any deeper life of contemplative prayer. That is, it can't be a pursuit for the sake of something I can take possession of. The leaving aside of the self, letting go of self becomes so important in spirituality and also the deeper life of prayer. Well, to that end, that letting go of self also is letting go of the religious experiences that we might have or the spiritual experiences. And he talks about that in the second of those impediments to the barricades to the road to contemplation and that spiritual 
avarice. Do you want to talk about that one as well, Father? Well, John of the Cross in this section, as he will um, allude to in other areas, take up in other sections of his treatises, but he um, speaks of a common problem in the beginnings of spiritual life and which extends you know, into years in which we would like to have comforting, consoling experiences. And sometimes without realizing it, we're going to prayer looking for that and looking for nice experiences with God. And they are, they, they are possible. You know, people who take silent prayer, meditative prayer, you know, seriously can have from one day to the next, you know, better experiences. We might feel more love. We might feel more closeness, you know, a more... Um, you know, pleasant experience in, in prayer. And so people are subject to this uh, weakness of pursuing prayer for that, that experience. So a kind of avarice, you know, just like a, a person might want, you know, things, a better, a better, you know, material objects, you know, better furniture, whatever they want. And we can go into prayer also looking to have possessions of this nature to take hold of things that will um, be satisfactions. And it goes back to, you know, that question of the one thing needful is to see God. And it's not that God is not experienced in any manner, but he is God. He's beyond our grasp in some possessive manner in prayer. And much more important is that we are letting go of ourselves, surrendering before him, and not looking, targeting, you know, something of a, for the sake of an experience, letting God, you know, give what he wants on that day. And sometimes he may want us to be more refined and purified, have burnt away, you know, some of the needs that we think are more important in prayer. We'll return to St. John of the Cross, Master of Contemplation with Father Donald Haggerty in just a moment. Discerning Hearts provides content dedicated to those on the spiritual journey. To continue production of these podcasts, prayers, and more, go to discerninghearts.com and click the donate link found there or inside the free Discerning Hearts app to make your donation. Thanks and God bless. Did you know that Discerning Hearts has a free app in which you can find all your favorite Discerning Hearts programming? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Deacon James Keating, Mike Aquilina, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, and so many more are found on the Discerning Hearts free app. Did you also know that you can stream Discerning Hearts programming on numerous streaming platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher, Tune in, and so many more. And did you know that Discerning Hearts also has the YouTube page? Be sure to check out all these different places where you can find Discerning Hearts. We now return to St. John of the Cross, Master of Contemplation, with Father Donald Haggerty.
The danger in that too, is that sometimes if we are looking for something that we've experienced before, and we want that back, we want to continue to feel that because that gave us something. And then we don't receive it. Instead of accepting the fact that it didn't has not occurred or whatever that was there that something's changed and asking the father, okay, we can fall into a kind of despair, or that I've lost something. And I want it back that avarice of, I need to have that. And if I don't get that, I'm kind of depressed now. Because, you know, to have I done something wrong, is God mad at me or to, to fall into some kind of painful place, God doesn't necessarily want us to be in. Well, that's a good point, Chris. And, you know, the, uh, the frustration that you open yourself up to when, uh, or of any person that if we are seeking, in a sense, the wrong things in prayer. And, you know, behind, you know, your comments there, which are insightful, is that we are misconceiving, we all are capable of misconceiving what really love is. And it's almost, you know, it's analogous to most people in life do have an experience of something of what romantic love is, you know, before marriage and romantic love is not really, I think, you know, the, that great reality of love. And we can have similar misconceptions of what love is, love of God, when we are identifying love as the, you know, consoling spirit experience of feeling close to him in prayer or feeling his presence or sensing that he must be communicating something in that moment. And the real reality of love is of the will, you know, the will in some manner, perhaps not felt, perhaps in great dryness, but the will and the deeper reality of the human person in prayer, longing for God. And it's very, it's easy to get sidetracked to um, very secondary pursuits in prayer, which can be satisfying, but don't lead to the greater fruitfulness of prayer. You, know, you think about it, someone like a Mother Teresa, you know, it's a common thing to say in a correct way, you know how deep or how valuable prayer is by what you end up living outside of prayer time. And Mother Teresa, you know, with the well-known, you know, years of darkness she went through, probably had very little consolation in her interior life of prayer, it seems and yet went out from her time of prayer each day to this very focused, you know, generous, self-giving approach to her daily life. And she certainly, you know, was on the track of a very deep reality of love in her life. So the, it can be a misconception to think that one must be, one must feel great closeness to God in one's interior life of prayer or one's experience in prayer. And without that, if the emotions are not in some manner feeling close to God, that uh, this prayer is, you know, there's something wrong then in my relationship with God. And that's a mistake. And, and John of the Cross is saying, it's, it's not just a mistake, it can also do damage. Because we're getting frustrated there in a way that is not good for the soul you know, as though we are measuring our life depending on, on the feeling of emotion in prayer. 
I had an exorcist once tell me that if you want something enough in prayer like this, the devil will give it to you. And you have to be very prudent because in reality, what the father may be doing by pulling back that particular thing, that, that consolation or whatever that was that you experienced to get you to a certain point in your spiritual life, he may be wanting you to go even deeper in a different way. And by you wanting to stay stuck where you're at, you're, that's exactly where you are. You're stuck. And it's something that you've chosen as opposed to, okay, the father is allowing this. This is no longer the experience, or at least in this moment, I'm not experiencing what I experienced before. Okay. I know he loves me. I know he wants my greater good. Okay. Then you just persevere in that relationship of love and prayer. Is that too generalized? That's a, a good statement. And I, and I think the, the general understanding, as you're mentioning there, is that we should assume that God wants to take us into greater depth in our spiritual life. But what, what does that mean? That, you know, greater depth, depth will mean that perhaps less and less of the secondary satisfactions uh, that can be present early on in prayer will uh, be given, you know, into our time of, of prayer, our relationship with him. And, you know, at the same time, I think it's good to make mention too that we should do what we can do in prayer. So sometimes if there's more difficulty in prayer, it's better to take up, you know, some, read a little bit of the gospels to come back to the words of our Lord. You know, when Jesus, you know, said the words that you, the words that you hear that come from me are coming from the one who sent me, you know, this realization that we're hearing God in the scripture and we don't need a lot of, you know, comforting experience in prayer to allow ourselves to be drawn into the mystery of God speaking in these words of our Lord and speaking sometimes very directly to our own life as he speaks in the gospel. So I think it's a good, uh, you know, many people will say, you take what you are able to do on any time of prayer and lean, you know, we should lean in the direction of God you know, not leaning back on ourselves or what we, what we can't do or what we're not experiencing, but leaning toward him and inclining toward him, surrendering as best as we can ourself, you know, in desire toward him. Yeah, I thought that the uh, treatment on spiritual lust was very interesting. I don't know if I've ever really contemplated that before as a barrier to contemplation, but it, it really can be, can it? Well, he makes mention again, this is a, you know, a smaller section within that, uh, that those initial chapters of the dark night, which again, I, th I think he's speaking from experiences, you know, with uh, the Carmelites. And when a person begins to pray with more seriousness, there can be a kind of um, uh, wholesome, uh, what we would say, where the human, where body and soul, you know, the soul and body and the human person function together. So when the soul is 
in a sense, um, becoming more integral, you know, in the human person when it's awakening, you know, spiritually, as prayers become a more serious pursuit in one's life, that can overflow also into, you know, bodily hunger, you know, bodily desire. So it's possible on two levels that one, the devil does not want more serious life of prayer. So it's possible that sometimes people experience temptations against purity precisely in the time of prayer. And they may wonder what, what is going on here? Why this now? And that's possible that the devil in whispers, he can affect imagination. He can try to stir something up, you know, to distract one or frighten one from a deeper life of prayer. Or as John of the Cross will make allusion to that when you're becoming more integral as a human person, the soul effects, you know, can overflow into, in a sense, to bodily desire, which should just be, you know, ignored and leave it alone. And, um, you know, we turn our attention then to our Lord and, you know, focus our, our attention toward stay on track, you know, what's being focused on in prayer. But again, it's an example of how real, you know, this is not like abstract up in the clouds spirituality. He's dealing with, you know, real, real people, the realities of human experience. We'll continue this conversation in our next episode. You've been listening to St. John of the Cross, Master of Contemplation, with Father Donald Haggerty. This series is based on the book, St. John of the Cross, Master of Contemplation, published by Ignatius Press. Visit ignatius.com to obtain a copy, or you can find it at any fine Catholic bookstore. To hear and or to download this conversation, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com, or you can find it within the free Discerning Hearts app. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission, which is to offer authentic and rock-solid spiritual formation freely to souls around the world. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about discerninghearts.com And join us next time for St. John of the Cross, Master of Contemplation, with Father Donald Haggerty.